Welcome, Vandal fans, to another episode of the Vandal Scoreboard. Filling in for hosting duties this week, I'm Chris Sturmer, and on this week's episode, we take a deep dive on homecoming week hitting the Palouse. Vandal Volleyball returns home to try to continue their streak of Big Sky dominance. Idaho Soccer returns to play their final two home games of the 2019 season. And Vandal Football takes on Idaho State in the Battle of the Domes Saturday afternoon. We round out the show with some NFL talk, our staff predictions, Mike Leach Awards, and maybe a little baseball. Without further ado, let's get this show rolling. And we are live here at the Vandal Scoreboard. I'm, uh, my name is Chris Sturmer, the sports editor. You may be wondering, where is Zach Kellogg? Um, well, let's just say Zach Kellogg may be in a concussion protocol right now. It's probably <laughs> safe to say. Uh, but once again, we are joined with the one and only man, myth, legend himself, Jonah Baker. Jonah, how's it going, man? Good to be back, Chris. Always good to be back in the booth. How does it feel to be like, uh, maybe like the Gardner Minshew now of uh, the scoreboard? <laughs> is, that, is that safe to say? Wow, I mean, like, I'm I wasn't planning on working on my mustache until November came up, but like, okay. I'll I'll work on it for yeah. sure. Do you think you think you're able it. to just grow, ca- be capable of growing a Minshew mustache? I mean, it's I really it on you. it's really tough being like blonde haired to have a good mustache, mm, yeah. but like, because it almost always comes out as like a bad like Sherlock Holmes villain kind mm. of vibe. But <laughs> I'll I'll, I'll it. give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, on this week's episode, it's all about homecoming. So that means Vandal football returns home to the Kibbe Dome to take on the Idaho State Bengals in the Battle of the Domes. Uh, for Vandal soccer, we have basically the final weekend there here in the Kibbe Dome. Uh, we have senior night on Sunday, um, and then volleyball also returns home. So there's so much Vandal sports action, Jonah. I just don't know what to do. But let's kick off right away. With football, the big one, Battle of the Domes. Absolutely. Um, kickoff, 2.30, Kibbe Dome. Hopefully, it'll be a packed crowd. Um, not for sure on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a call-out to you, Vandal fans. Uh, so, Jonah, from what you've been seeing this season, what what do you really think you can expect from Idaho? See, that's just exactly the thing. I mean, like, <laughs> as as is with just about any Vandal, Vandal football season, like, we – Came into the season thinking that, like, you know, they had a sh- they had a decent shot if X, Y, and Z broke the right way. And in some games, they certainly did. I mean, like, against Wyoming, we're very, very close to not shooting ourselves in the foot and taking yep. a win against an FBS team. We beat Washington State at home, team that was picked to win the Big Sky in preseason poll. And then, you know, three straight, and then three straight losses, two by one score, and then 20, and then getting shut out by Portland State, yeah. team that, you know, nine times out of ten probably should have at mm-hmm. least been competitive against probably beaten in most cases so really i mean like going into any vandal football game at this point trying to expect something is kind of uh you know it's kind of a moot point i guess yeah yeah first shutout since i think 2013 uh, for the vandals so uh yeah breaking records left and right it looks like uh yeah john i'll be honest i don't know what to expect from this team anymore you know like we play great in the kb dome lost by six to a weber state team that's fourth in the nation i mean you beat Eastern as well. 
Um, but now we have Idaho State. It's actually playing pretty good. They have a really good offense. They're, they can score a lot of points yeah, very quickly. And they're running back. Their senior running back, Ty Flanagan, just so happens to be the top Big Sky rusher in the league. Love so it. there's that going for them. Um, both defenses are playing pretty well. I mean, it's a really even matchup. I can see us winning by 10, but I can also see us losing by 10. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, at this at, at this point in the season, um, you know, as I've kind of moved out of like as I've kind of moved out of like strict journalism and a little bit more into just yeah. um, observing the sport, observing sport, observing Vandal sports in general. Um, the only thing that I like, I would consider this game a victory if we continued to see more. Um, if we continued to see more development from Nick Romano, especially, mm. like he's just kind of he's just kind of the sort of dude that you know you can. If nothing else, if everything else in the game is going is like you know not going the way that Petrino and Enco intend it to, then he's kind of the person that you can attach some kind of hope and dream to. That like yeah. you know what there actually is reason to be excited for what's coming up next, mm-hmm. even if what's happening right now is less than optimal. Definitely, yeah. Uh, a lot of injuries for this team too. I mean, Mason Petrino went out last week. Uh, who knows if that has to do something with an injury or more because he just hasn't been playing really well. I think it's a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows who we're going to see this weekend, if we're going to see Petrino or Richardson. Um, Andre Carter out was la- out last week. Jeff Cotton, uh, hope- according to Coach Petrino, Cotton should be able to come back this weekend. Let's hope so because the offense is way different when Cotton's on the field rather than off it. He is somebody that just kind of completely flips the uh, the opposing game plan. Oh, yeah. I mean, you saw it like from the first, week, first couple weeks of the season where he was just on a historic tear and – you know that's something that that's something that defenses notice and yeah. have to account for. Yeah, I mean, just most reliable receivers I think we've had that I've seen here at Idaho. Certainly, if we need a big third down play. Just throw it to Jeff and Absolutely. he'll catch it. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So I mean, let's see about I mean, with the homecoming crowd, if if there's actually a homecoming crowd, maybe. But then again, I mean, we haven't had any crowds, and Idaho still just plays really well in the Kippy Dome. That's true. That's um, true. It's definitely going to be an interesting matchup to to watch. I think it's going to be a great game to watch. Um, uh, Rasan Crawford said in a press conference on Tuesday that they're all really hyped for Battle of Domes rivalry. Um, hmm. they, they, he said it. You got you to hate these guys, which is which is interesting because it's only been a year. Uh, but you got to claim that that state, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess if they if they have to, then you know that it is basically the inst- it for uh, for our purposes, it is the in-state rivalry yeah. now. So like you know, it is the kind of thing that we have to take advantage of, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, you got to find some motivation, I think, too. Right. After, a, you think motivation would be enough to try to snap a three-game Big Sky losing streak to start it off, but. Mm-hmm. Right, and I mean, like you, you, you kind of want to look for momentum as far as homecoming goes. But um, obviously, one last um, ended up winning homecoming last year against a, you know, a perennially doormat Southern Utah team. Lost the previous two before that, even though that was in the Sun Belt. But um, you know, there might be there might be something there in the sense that you know fans kind of get the feeling that this is, for one reason or another, a game they might need to see if that be you know, the the game that turns it all around and, like, we end up <clears throat> end up like breaching, five, breaching 500 by the end of the year or if it's the game that, you know, really definitely seals Petrino's fate at the end of the season. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, if there's any bright spots, I guess, with Petrino's tenure, he's 5-1 and one on homecoming. Um, so at least he has that going for him. That's true. Um, really, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a good game to watch, I hope. 
I hope. Let's just hope. Exactly. Um, I mean, like we were, like you were saying too, with the, <laughs> with the, with the crowd. Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately on the one hand, unfortunately on the other, it will be especially easy to not have to go into the game to watch it, as it'll be one of the two, I believe, one of the two games that we broadcast. Three games that we get broadcasted yep. on Root Sports yep. this year. So yep, definitely. Yeah, it's on Root Sports this week. So that's always nice if you never, if you don't want to show up, at least it's on. True. Know, Actually yeah. televised. Exactly. Um, but we'll we'll save our predictions for the end of the show with the rest of our weekly staff predictions here. Um but let's let's take a deep dive. Well uh, let's say let's take a surface dive. Mm. Um as everyone knows, whoever does listen to this podcast, uh Zach Kellogg knows everything and anything about uh Vandal volleyball and Vandal soccer. And we'll be honest with you. We're fans for them, you know, mm. but uh we may not know everything about Vandal soccer and volleyball. It's, heck, it's hard to match Zach's. Uh, it's hard to match Zach's example. Yeah, yeah, he sets a great example here. Uh, hopefully, he gets back in one piece next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, we're gonna take we're gonna take a jab at it. All right. So Vandal soccer kicks off this weekend as yep. well. Uh, back at home, uh, big big day on Sunday, for senior night. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on the Sox season going so far? It's been kind of a, a rough outing with this young squad. Yeah, I mean it. it it's pretty much what on on the other on a completely opposite note from the football team. You did have a very solid idea of what to expect from this women's soccer team. Like you know, losing as much, literally a an historic uh, women's soccer team from last year, losing as much talent as they did. Yeah. It would it was a little bit out of the question to expect them to come close to repeating the kind of success that they had. Uh, that being said, they've also had a lot of really, you know, really kind of rough breaks these last, um, these last couple of weeks. I mean, their last two weeks alone, they have, they've had three, two, they've had three double overtime games, yep. um, two losses and two ties. And that's just kind of the thing, sort of thing that like, you know, what, it's really hard to it's really hard to ex- expect like you know a, a team that's so young that's got so much Definitely. freshman sophomore presence to be able to just you know naturally be able to overcome these kinds of obstacles when they're facing you know similar if not better competition that probably has more experience. I mean, it's yeah. just you know it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate fact of the season, but you know the fact that they've that they've played admirably well throughout the big throughout the Big Sky so far. Only mm-hmm. one loss by more than by more than one goal so far is something to is definitely something to be proud of. I would think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing that really stands out to me is they were so confident for the Eastern game. Mm. Um, even talking about maybe a guaranteed victory, and then they lose three one. Uh, like just for confidence level, I feel like that would that knocks you down a little bit when when you think oh uh, we've had this team num- this team's number for. At least the uh, past few years. And mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, now they beat us? Oh, no. That's right. That's a weird thing. Probably heard the talk. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely something definitely something for homecoming fans to look forward to this weekend. I mean, if you're still hanging around on Sunday or get or Friday or, night or, too, or Friday play. night, too, Friday night, yeah. um, you know, there's it'll be their first time playing at home in, all, in just about three weeks. So, like, definitely, definitely got that kind of will be homecoming for them, too, basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that that'll – That'll definitely, um, if for no other, if for no other reason, it'll be a chance for, it'll be a chance for this team to really kind of reset and just have a chance to, you know, um, reset their reset their momentum, reset their energy for the last four games of the season. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Vandal volleyball kicks off Thursday night. Uh, their season has been a little bit, actually, on on a good swing now. With big side mm-hmm. play has started. Yep. Um, had a rough non-conference going. Uh, but again, this is a very young team as well. 
right. they have been clicking on all notes. W. Buchanan has said at the beginning of the year that this is a very, very close-knit group, maybe even closer as a connection than uh, the great team we had a year ago, which exactly. is really crazy to think. Absolutely. I mean, like this year with two – with a roster of two whole seniors is definitely something that, you know, is not exactly, I mean, again, comparing it to the sort of historic thing that we had going last year, it's not exactly ideal, mm -hmm. but you can't fault this team's effort in any way, shape, or form. And I mean, like, that's definitely a credit no. to Coach Buchanan. Like, she's oh. never going to let, there's, there's just no such thing as, like, a down year, really, yeah. with her. I mean, like, I guess this would be it, even when they're at 4-2 and two in conference play so far. Um, but, you know, that just kind of speaks to the program that she's built in the cult. And a lot of that, you know, that close-knit kind of culture that happens mm -hmm. within the team, you know, it's cool for the coach to come out and say that. But I think more often than not, especially in this case, the coach and the coaching staff, like, creates the basis for that culture. Yeah. And then they just kind of let the ki they let the kids run with it. And, you know, on a team that – on the team that lost, you know, um, all con all conference middle blockers and outside hitters, and had to replace their entire front line, like almost their entire. I guess Nikki Ball is still sticking, is, is still still around, but um, it's it's just absolutely remarkable. And I hope that you know that continue that once again homecoming for them as well. Away the last two week, away the last two weekends, almost three weeks away from Moscow, and mm -hmm. now getting Northern Arizona and Southern Utah. Yeah, it's gonna be one heck of a matchup. One, one thing too, I think Stay Buchanan doesn't get enough credit. Really, I mean. We're raving about her right now, but she really deserves – She, I think David Buchanan, personally, Buchanan and John Newley, those two programs, women's basketball and volleyball, uh, year after year, always competitive. You mm -hmm. can't – you never really expect a dip. Right, remarkably consistent. No, always and consistent. Yeah, and I mean, um, just really quickly touching on Newley too. I mean, we had um, the uh, preseason All-Big Sky basketball team came yeah. out and Gina Markson's on it. Yeah. Again, it's just like we're – I mean, sure, we lost the two best offensive players in recent, possibly total Vandal Vandal basketball <laughs> yeah, history. No, yeah, see, yeah. Like, but that doesn't mean we're stepping back and like you know gonna gonna not go 500 this year. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, we can t touch a bit on women's basketball. I mean, yeah, Gina Markson probably, I mean, her freshman campaign was really good. I mean, mm -hmm. she was, I'll yeah. say, third, fourth good scoring option, and now mm -hmm. she's going to take a lot more of the reins at the point guard position, obviously. Yep. Um, Lizzie Klinker as well, expected to take a bigger role. Uh, really, I think Vandal Women's basketball team is going to be okay. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they'll be as great. Very hard. You know, to I mean, it's it's hard that. to replace what Ferenz and Pierce very, brought. Very, very it, difficult. It's yeah, they they remind me like the of the Warriors so much last mm -hmm. season, mm -hmm. and now they kind of remind me of the Warriors now too, and a bit of a, a bit of exactly. a rebuild. I mean, one of the yeah, thing. and kind of you know looping it all the way back into football. I mean, like, it was very easy, like, sitting in on some of those games reporting for him, it was, you could, you know, it was a big deal in mm -hmm. Moscow. And, like, they when they would go, when they would be able to pack the entirety of Memorial Gym, like, the yep. game where they ended up clinching, um, it was just as full as I've ever seen that gym. And you could actually feel it kind of, like, shaking. Pretty sure it wasn't built for that kind of capacity. Oh, probably not. I mean, I think <laughs> at that time it was. Yeah. Probably out yeah, of time. Yeah. But right. <laughs> not now. But not, not now, no. definitely not. <laughs> no. So you could definitely feel, like, a little bit of, a little bit of a uh, <coughs> little bit of sealant leaking from the ceiling and stuff like that, but it was in a great way. Mm -hmm. Like that's just you know it's what it's what. Um, but like we were talking about, it kind of loops back to the culture and the the culture and the efforts that yep. Buchanan and Neely uh, are able to get out of their players. Yeah. So one thing I want to ask you, John, how does it feel to just be a fan again? How does that feel? It honestly is. It's pretty nice. Like yeah. there's. 
in all honesty, one of the be- one of the things that I enjoyed most um, while writing for the while writing for the Argonaut was just being able to have an opinion, not mm-hmm. be not being hyper combative, Stephen A. <laughs> Skip Bayless kind of opinion, but yeah. be able to kind of build it out, have something like not just find the inform find the information, but then present it with an idea alongside mm-hmm. it, which you know is not what journalism is about. It's about yeah. finding the story, it's about finding the facts, and then relaying those facts to the necessary parties. Oh yeah, and you know that was. That was fine for me. Like I enjoyed that, but it was always, you know, the step, like step further, being able to do something with that information that kind mm-hmm. of, you know, appealed to me more than anything else. So it's kind of fun to be able to, you know, do that instead now. Yeah, uh, that I'm not gonna lie to you. That sounds very nice. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds very nice. Uh, all right, guys. I think we'll take a break, and up next we'll talk about some good old NFL, uh, some Colts watch, some Seahawks watch. Uh, our weekly staff predictions, and then our Mike Leach Awards. And welcome back. Uh, I think it's time for some NFL talk, Jonah. All right. So how do you think the season's going on? What what are the big storylines catching your eye this year? Honestly, a big story catching my eye this year as a big fan of the NFL, as a natural fan of the NFC West, um, watching what the Rams have had to go through this year, starting 3-0, and dropping their last three, has been probably the most intriguing storyline for me personally. Yeah. I mean, it's just really thinned out the it's really thinned out the top of the NFC, and it's kind of brought us back almost five full years back to mm-hmm. when it was just Seahawks and the Niners at the top, and then everyone else was kind of like, you know, yeah. muddling around in the middle, basically. Um, which, you know, as a Seahawks fan, was a wonderful time in my life, and I really <laughs> hope to have some kind of redux of that. But in all honesty, like the, just watching the Rams kind of precipitate the way that they have recently is it's been really it's been probably the biggest storyline for me personally. Yeah. I mean, like every like, you know, most of the other storylines, Gardner Minshew doing great. We love to see it. Oh, yeah. Oakland outperforming expectations. That's fine. Whatever. They'll probably end up going eight and eight. I mean, Deshaun Watts, like. But as far as like, as far as like, you know, the biggest storyline that we didn't see coming that we probably should have seen coming, giving the natural history of teams going to the Super Bowl and then regressing, i.e. Atlanta Falcons, Super Bowl 51, mm. now one in five. Yeah. Similar, similar story with the Rams. And I'll be interested to see how dealing as much of their future as possible in two firsts and I believe a fourth for Jalen Ramsey this Ramsey. past week. Yep. Um, to see how that works out for them. Yeah, and getting almost nothing back from Marcus Peters either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it is kind of scary to think Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the same defense. Right. Um, but I think my question is, how quickly is it all going to work? Yeah. And yeah. is Jalen Ramsey going to be the one piece to actually fix that defense? I don't think I don't so. think, yeah, I don't think no. so either. Um, as, as bizarre as it seems and as very, I guess, 2005 of a, a take to be, they really are kind of lacking some – they really are just lacking a center of that defense. Like, mm-hmm. they've got a great – I mean, they've got a couple of pieces of a really, really solid pass rush. And between now Ramsey, whenever Aqib Tlaib comes back, Eric Weddle, like, the, their secondary is pretty solidly set as well. But there just isn't any any sort of real continuity in the middle of their defense because, like, you know, bringing in – when your marquee move for the offseason – when your marquee move for the offseason in terms of, like, your linebacking core, nickel corners, all that sort of stuff is bringing in Clay Matthews. Yeah. Granted, props to Matthews for having six sacks this year, but, like, that's just not – I don't think that's quite going to do it. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, the whole NFC West. I mean, the 49ers, too. Who would have thought they would have got off to I this know. great of a start? Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking they're looking like the Rams last year now. Exactly. Everyone's calling Kyle Shanahan the next great thing. It's like, oh, I thought, what happened to Sean McVay? Exactly. And, and they're like, oh, this guy might be better than Sean McVay. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, guys. I feel of like course. you're just latching on to any young head coach and it's like, oh, right. he's the next great prodigy. Yeah, but and I mean, like, the – the thing that the thing that's unfortunate about the like as an opposing fan of the Niners like it's easy enough to dismiss the Patriots success just because they've faced the absolute easiest schedule so yeah. far in the NFL and like to some extent the Niners have gotten kind of the same thing I mean they started with games against the Buccaneers Bengals and Steelers after yeah, Ben Roethlisberger yeah. got hurt then of course they started this this little min this little mini rampage beating the Browns thirty one to three and the Rams twenty to seven yeah but they. I mean, up next, uh, they've got one, two. I mean, in the next in the next month, they've only got two games against teams with winning records, being mm. the Panthers, which may not be the case by the time that they end up playing them. We'll see if Kyle Allen keeps up this just yeah remarkable <laughs> run of good luck. But I mean, all the backup quarterbacks are playing really. It's the year of the backup quarterback. It really it's is strange. Honestly, it's a really weird NFL year. But I think it's just bringing a lot more, uh, making teams a lot more even rather than it's like oh well this guy's a great quarterback sure so, I, would, um, I would definitely have to agree backup quarterbacks and great defenses yeah yeah it's it's one heck of a time i mean i know i'm happy about jalen ramsey because now the colts don't have to play him twice a division <laughs> yeah he's out of the division so the jaguars defense is a little bit more depleted now right which is really great because the jaguars are somehow the only team that actually scares me every time we have to play them each year i know and and, and it, i'm sure that they had to get rid of one to have the other but yeah. could you just imagine having Jalen Ramsey, uh, Jalen Ramsey, Marcus Peters, and Aqib Tlaib all in the same secondary? That's like crazy. That's just I, I mean, that's I know that's an all time that's an all time trash talking yeah. secondary. Yeah. But <laughs> oh for sh- oh gosh yeah, oh, I didn't even think of that. It's all the trash talking on that <laughs> side, man. And I mean, and then on the opposite side, Jared Goff is having. Not a great season, and Terrible. thank you for being my only fantasy quarterback. <laughs> Gosh, let me tell you, man, like I'm having a great season, but just the quarterback. You know, I got, I got Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, man. It's a tough one. I mean, and they're playing the Falcons this week, so you would think they're in the dome. We'll see how this goes. Maybe, maybe the playing play. the Falcons is a very good remedy for just about yeah. any team. But yeah. like, while we're on the topic of the of the Rams too, they've got. A pretty solid setup for a bounce back in the next three weeks. We got home for Bengals at Steelers, home for, um, sorry, excuse me, at the Falcons, home for the Bengals at the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Like those are obviously you never really want to go to Pittsburgh in November, but it, you know, playing de- Duck Hodges, like they should be able to, <laughs> they should be if they out can't, Samford, the if Samford they Griffin. can't bounce back, if they can't bounce back and against that team, then I think it's pretty fair to call them out of the race at that point. Yeah, I, I can agree on that one. Uh, how, how do you feel about the Seahawks this year? I mean, like, not gonna like obviously they were going to be competitive. You have Russell Wilson mm-hmm. who's leading the MVP race, right? But I don't think anyone really thought they'd be this dominant, this like looking like the old Seahawks. That's kind of the thing is that like we. I saw I saw a great um, great tweet. I wish I knew who to give a credit to. It might might be Kevin Clark, honestly. But um, <laughs> we're in some kind. Of, but basically, he brought up this point that we're in some sort of twilight zone going into this game against the Ravens, where both of these teams are fielding top eight offenses yeah. and then defenses that are in like the bottom ten. 
which is just something you could never imagine. Like mm -hmm. the, literally the rest of these teams existences in the NFL, like you would never think that such a thing would happen. But I mean, yeah, I mean, the story with the Seahawks this year begins and ends with Russell Wilson. Like, I mean, yeah. the dude, you know, as a fan, like we've watched him for, we've, we've watched him for years. We know that he's a perennial fringe MVP candidate, always held back by one thing or the other, whether it be a defense that overshadows mm -hmm. him, whether it be an all-time running back that overshadows him, an offensive scheme the past couple of years that isn't conducive to his talents. Um, but, you know, credit where credit is due, that scheme changed enough and the right players were brought in this year that he is just on a completely different yep. level. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate that, like, all of those incredible defensive pieces are on other teams now, save for Bobby Wagner, bless his soul. Hope he retires <laughs> with us. Um, but, you know, it really has just put the – it really has just kind of forced the rest of the public to realize how incredible this dude is. And yeah. in all honesty, like, they'll go as far as – they'll go as far as he can take them. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the throws, I remember, against the Rams, that mm. Thursday night game. Some of the throws he was making. I mean, it, it's always Russell Wilson. Like, you can always expect some sort of magic from him. Absolutely. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. It's also strange because I always see a lot of Peyton in him, which is strange because, like, they don't really play the same. But I think the way they lead their offenses and have right. such an effect on their players, mm -hmm. uh, they can make any wide receiver good. Yeah, manipulating um, the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Like, before, you know – be basically being an on-field offensive coordinator. Yep. We said we all saw the we all saw the vi like you know the viral tweets about how his helmet how his helmet communicator yep. went off and he was just <laughs> like just nah, screw it I'll go and yeah I'll, I'll go and conduct a touchdown drive that is myself and it was ridiculous just like, yeah like that's I mean like he's had a whole lot of signature moments like the throw to Tyler Lockett on on Thursday night that should have been impossible I mean and all that other sort of stuff but like mm -hmm. that I think like an MVP case is usually defined by one or two signature moments like you know yep. Pat Mahomes had you know, probably a half dozen of them with like four and five touchdown mm -hmm. games last year. But, you know, calling his own calling his own plays his own number for that entire drive in a very in what turned out to be a very close game was something that'll stick with me for a while. Yeah. But I think we should also talk about maybe someone who's even better than that. Obi Wan Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but 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 I mean, on a real side of things, uh it, it was a rough it was a rough uh, early summer for me. John. Oh, yeah. I am aware. Um, yeah, it was very rough. I am uh, aware. Losing Andrew Luck. Uh, and then before that, you know, lost Paul George. And then <laughs> I think it was a little bit after Andrew Luck. Russ left the Thunder. Oh, I don't know, man. Yeah. It was just – it was really rough. Um, but I got hope again. We Coming off a bye week, beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead mm -hmm. with, with a good play of the Colts' defense. Colts having Crazy. a defense. That's strange Remarkable. to think. Um, Even with um, – Sorry, I haven't. I should be better knowledge, more knowledgeable about this. But is Darius Leonard back from that concussion yet? No, we, we were Even out. Without we had him. no Darius. He's coming back this week uh, against big matchup against the Texans, mm -hmm. um, which I think. Like, obviously, I'm biased and think the Colts are going to win. But like, I think of the Texans and I think of T.Y. Hilton, and I just know T.Y. Hilton is going to go off <laughs> because he owns that team. Granted, if we're not playing. I don't think we're playing in Houston. I think it's. Uh, it's in. It's in Indianapolis. It's in Indy. Um, <coughs> He basically owns Reliance Stadium, which is awesome. <laughs> um, he, the Texans' best wide receiver will probably have to be T.Y. Hilton. Exactly, um, exactly. But just the way the Colts have been playing this so far this season, it's it's a lot like the Vandals in some ways, but better. Like, yeah. they surprise you in a good way. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, they, like, you know, they come out, they come out and beat the Chiefs, like we were talking yeah. about, but at the same time, dropping an overtime game to – the Chargers to start the season looks Vinny. a lot worse now it than, it did, than, the, than, the, yeah. than it did at the beginning yeah. of the year. So, like, you know, 
and like 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 you're saying, I mean, like with Vinatieri, like he, it's he's week he's, to week. Yeah, yeah, he's point. he's gotten a lot better. He hasn't missed anything the past few weeks. True, but it's it's still, it but, it uh, can it can go from that to feeling like he's hanging by a thread really yeah, quick, as it can yeah. with any kicker, but mm-hmm. like especially one that's you know forty. Six. I know. It's just. It's just so. Years old? It's like you don't even think of his age because it's Adam Vinatieri. I mean, you think the man's been. Yeah, I mean, like. He's but been, I think it's finally catching out to him. It could be. Um, it really could be. Don't think he's gonna make it to fifty. No, playing, playing. It's the really NFL too anyways. bad. Yeah. Because we're all definitely had the over on that, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't know if you know Jonah, mm. but we made a bet, uh, me and Zach, to start things off this year. Okay. I think the Colts are gonna make the playoffs. Okay. I may at least nine and seven or better. He keeps saying I think they're just gonna be nine and seven. That's not true. I think we'll be at least nine and seven or better. Now, okay. I, I might have to get re, uh, confirmation from Zach next week, but I may have said the Seahawks aren't gonna make the playoffs. Mm. Um, I really hope I did not say that because that's a very bad take it's on my really end. Really tough. Take. <laughs> it's a it's a really tough take. Really on my tough end. take. You're basically um, rooting for an injury at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Bad take. But then we started to switch things up, and uh, our weekly staff predictions, um, whoever has the best record by the end of the year, the loser has to wear that person's favorite jersey. So okay. it'll probably be right. either me wearing a Russell Wilson jersey, which I will feel really gross in, or <laughs> Zach has to wear an Andrew Luck jersey. Um, rest in peace. That's all I had. You know, I just bought an Andrew <laughs> Luck jersey last fall, and then he decided to retire. That's not my fault. All no right, kidding. guys? It's not my fault. No kidding. And I mean, like, you could have had Russell Wilson, too. I mean, he was pick- taking 74 That's picks later. Yep, thank you. Thank You're welcome. Hey, I, had I, mean, to th- I had to throw that in there. I mean, Andrew Luck did great. It's not his fault. No, it's no, not absolutely fault. not. It's Ryan Griggs. We're not going to get on that right now. Though. <laughs> uh, that could be a whole Ryan Griggson is his own is his Ryan Griggson is, is terrible. Anyways, so after last week's uh, staff picks, our quick show, we did two games, San Francisco, L.A., uh, Zach picked San Francisco. I picked L.A., so he got that one. Um, and then we both picked Oklahoma over Texas. Good calls. Jalen Hurts, man. Tough to beat. Like he, tough to beat. Uh, so right now, Zach has the current lead. Uh, 15 wins, 7 losses, and I'm 14-8. and eight. So Oof, nice it's, getting, it's getting really close. It's getting really nice close. close. Like so it. for this week, let's jump into the NFL things. Uh, our first game up, we're going to go with the Seahawks and the Ravens. Right. Like we were saying earlier, this is, um, you know, if you if this game was played, you know, even two years ago, we would have been expecting like 16 to 10, probably final score, something similar to that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, probably a combined 200 passing yards between both teams. But um, we're obviously going to get something very, very different on this upcoming Saturday. Um, in all honesty, just kind of, you know, going through what I know about what I know about both of these teams. It's going to come down to whether or not Seattle has any semblance of a pass rush because yeah. they haven't recently, and that's why they were hanging on by a thread against Cleveland of all teams. I know that you know Cleveland was supposed to be good, and they do have a lot of roster talent, but they're yeah. just they're just not there yet. Um, so basically, I mean, basically, as a Seahawks fan, I mean, the one thing you're always afraid the one thing you're always afraid of is the li- is the offensive line just absolutely falling apart giving up to pass rush, which isn't as much of a problem against the Ravens this year. You know, they lost to Darius Smith, um, just don't quite have as much of the don't quite ha- have as much as the push as they used to. Um, so in all honesty, at home at the centri- at CenturyLink, it's just really, really hard to pick against against Russ. And like as much as I love what Lamar Jackson has been able to put together so far this year, um, he just isn't quite I don't know, it might just be a it might just be a <coughs> 
might just be a, a personal thing, but going back over going back over how he's how he's managed to pass so far this year per ESPN's QBR metrics, which is out of a hundred. Um, he's had two really great games when he, he's had two really great games as a passer against um, Cincinnati this past week. Uh, I guess it, I guess three games against Cincinnati this past week, Arizona in week two, and Miami in week one. But he's always but you know he hasn't quite had the uh, consistency in yep. between those games. So I mean just you know putting up. Putting up a 77 passer, um, putting up a 77 QBR against Cincinnati is great. Russ did very close to the same thing, yeah. um, but I don't expect him to be able to replicate that two weeks in a row. He's Wait, still I mean, just a little bit too raw. A little bit too the Dolphins, young. though. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's going to come down to if you could stop Lamar Jackson. I mean, if you contain him, you make him feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I think they're. I think the Seahawks have this. Right. Back. Yeah, I think that you know what's what's really going to make the difference. Like we were talking about with the Rams, is that the Seahawks, the Seahawks' strength right now in their defense is that linebacking core with with Bobby Wagner, with KJ Wright, with Michael Kendricks. I mean, those are just incredibly athletic dudes that are. And even going further into the ones that they drafted this year with Cody Barton and Ben Burkirvan is like, there's just a lot of athleticism in that part of the field. And if you're going to contain a quarterback, it's very important to have those guys that make the make have those guys in the middle that make those scrambles that make those quarterback design yeah. runs into two and three yard plays instead of 20 yard plays Definitely. so i think that that's what they're gonna do i think that if they're if they're able to even sort of limit jackson the way as a rusher the way that they have that the way that they should i think that seattle should be able to lock this game up mm-hmm. yeah, do you think the secondary can hold up pretty well i mean i know that shaquille griffin can hold up pretty <laughs> well um the rest of them i mean tedrick thompson's had a great couple of games of being in the right place at the right time for a game-changing interception but otherwise like you know <laughs> uh all goes back to the pass rush basically yeah gotcha so uh, what what would you take for the score um once again defenses are not aren't, aren't what they have been i'm gonna go 35 28 seahawks Ooh, okay 35 28 i will go 20 27 21 seahawks 27, okay 21 seahawks um, then the next game coming up, it's kind of a weird week in the NFL because it's not really a lot of standout matchups, shockingly. Right. <laughs> um, I think we'll go Saints-Bears. All right. Saints-Bears. Um, you have New Orleans. I'm pretty sure Drew Brees doesn't come back yet. I know he's, he's on the right track of things to getting back to uh, Yeah, he's back still, to he's still um, out according to the injury report. Yeah. So Teddy um, Tugloves for at least one more game. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, he's been playing really well against some good competition as well. I mean, if you want to count the Cowboys. Depends what you think about the Cowboys <laughs> yet. Um, but, yeah, the Saints playing really well. The Bears are the Bears. They could be really good one moment and really dominant. And then it's like, oh, Trubisky, what, what are you doing, man? Right, so. exactly. And, I mean, there's <clears> – <throat> and once again, I mean, like, one of the best trade proposals I've seen so far this year is, like, what if at the end of this year – if you're like at, at the end of this year, if you're the Bears, how quickly do you call to see if Nick Foles is available, and mm. when he's and you know because I mean if he comes back from his collarbone, that's interesting, and may not even be the end of the year. Like if it's a collarbone injury, he could feasibly be back by mid-November. If Minshew's still got them, you know, at a 500 pace, and Jacksonville decides like this is our guy of the future, he's going to cost absolute pennies as a six-round pick yeah. for the next three years. Let's drop Foles while we can. And you know, be able to build the next couple of years around him. Then, like, I mean, poor Nick Foles, man. He just he's got to stay in Philly. Like, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> every time he leaves Philly, he always gets injured, it's and then tough. it's just it's tough, man. It's very, very tough. 
Yeah, but, but that that yeah. is an interesting thing. Nick but Foles on the Bears. Yeah, I mean, like it. It's just so so incredibly difficult to pick. It was incredibly difficult to pick a Bears team that had Mitchell Trubisky as its quarterback, and now you know, like, it's just not. And now having Chase Daniel as your as your starting quarterback yeah. is just not exactly. That's true. Does not exactly inspire con- inspire confidence. No, I mean it's. I would probably say the Saints. I mean, my big thing is how is Teddy Bridgewater going to do against uh, this crazy Bears defense? Mm-hmm. But if I had to choose between Bridgewater or Chase Daniel, probably Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is kind of playing back into the role reversal thing we were talking about with Seahawks-Ravens. I mean, if you would have told me even at the beginning of even halfway through last year that the Saints are going to be one of, are going to be one of, if not the most dominant defense in the NFL – even after watching him pick Von Von Bell, Marshawn Lattimore, bringing in Marcus Davenport, um, and watching Cam Jordan become the person that he is, like that would have been just completely bonkers to me. It's just like it's a Sean Payton team. Yeah. They're gonna put up thirty five and give up thirty every game. But here we are, where they're this remarkable defensive team and you know, they get by on just enough brilliance from two of the best skill position players mm-hmm. out there, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. So Yeah. I mean it's just it's it's just really hard to pick against that against that mixture, even even in Chicago, which is you know a Saint you know and a prototypical Saints fan's worst nightmare, having to play it not only outside but cold outside. Yeah, but yep. I just no, I don't think you, I don't think it's the right move to pick against the Saints this this week. Yeah. No, no, I think I think the Saints can do it. I think it's going to be a like a gritty game. I don't think it's going to be that pretty of a game, really. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there are very few pretty games at Soldier Field. Yeah. Yeah, so very, very few. If I had to choose, I'll pick the Saints. I'll say 24-16. 24-16. Feels about right. Feels about right. I'll let's see. Forecast actually gives them a solid 63 degrees on Sunday. Mm. So okay. we'll see about that. So I'll, you know, knowing that, I'll, I'll bump them up to I'll bump them up to 28. We'll give them 28-18 Saints. Okay. Nice, nice. Uh, and then on to our big college matchup of the week. We have the Oregon Ducks sticking Pac-12 this week. Keeping versus, it local. Yep, keeping it local versus the Washington Huskies. How do you think that's going to play out? Well, I mean, as a kid growing up, the the, the Huskies were kind of my adopted team. Having you know, as Idaho is kind of going yep. through its own little one of many malaises. Um, but, and so, you know, watching them rise, rise up through the ranks of the, of, co- of the, of division one and making it to the college football playoff and it's not in its inaugural year, inaugural year, second year, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was the first year. The first year. Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been tough this year and last year, just watching that, just watching them kind of go through this sort of, you know, they haven't it's not that they lack the talent i mean definitely i would say that jacob easton's probably a better i mean better at least from a talent standpoint quarterback than jake browning was but you really just start to realize how much generational talent was on their was on their defensive side of the ball mm-hmm. that they've lost in the last couple of years and as a result like you know they're they're just not quite the same team that they not quite the same team that they have been and of course their record's gonna their record's gonna um surprise gonna mask that fact a little bit having gone five and two this year but you know some of those wins are some of those wins include Eastern Washington, Hawaii, BYU after losing a quarterback, a USC team that should not have been ranked all the way up at no, up at 21, and but and you know then a very telling loss to Stanford. Like I mean it's just there's not a whole lot of 
there's not a whole lot of reasons to have a whole lot of faith in this team. It's you know remarkable. To, it's remarkable in and of itself to sit to try and pick a guy like Mario Cristobal over a Chris Peterson team, but. I, I don't know, man. It just it it's it's a good thing that it, I mean, this is definitely one of those games that I would never bet on for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, it's it's a toss up. I mean, I mean, UW is not playing as well as they usually have, especially Pac-12 play. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oregon, Oregon just never really can come up in the big games. I feel like. Yeah, that's um, definitely that. I mean, yeah, you saw the the beginning of this year where they weren't able to beat Auburn with freshman quarterback but with a freshman quarterback against supposed first round pick this year justin herbert so you know that's kind of a it's kind of a telling sign but i mean um as we've been i guess the theme of this week has been um role reversals and they're in every game since that auburn game um oregon has failed to give up more than one score so (laughs) doesn't exactly bode well for a for a washington team that doesn't exactly ooze offense yeah uh i'm probably gonna pick the ducks this week uh, if I had to choose between Jacob Eason and Justin Herbert on quarterback competition alone, I think I think Herbert can can win it. Yeah. Um, but going against a tough UW defense, it's it's going to be a difficult time, especially playing in uh in in Washington. Um, it's probably gonna be I don't know, man. Uh, it's safe to say maybe a shootout. Yeah, that's that's kind of the tough. I mean, that's kind of the tough thing is that it's if. This is another game that honestly it could a lot of it could depend on the weather. Like mm-hmm. we're coming like um, forecast calls for um, 56 degrees and classic Seattle rain on Saturday, yeah. um, and you know in that case I'm 10 out of 10 times going to take an Oregon defense that's only giving up 160 pass yards a game. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's just not a whole lot of there's just not a whole lot of margin for error in for Washington in this game and they've uh, and you know even when they were at their most successful they were usually a team that could be bailed out by their defense have a couple of mistakes on offense a couple of drives sputter out and um you know that that safety blanket just isn't really there anymore and in fact it's working in favor of the other side now Mm -hmm. yeah I think I'm gonna take the Ducks uh 38-28 this week I'm gonna take the Ducks too but I think I think it's going to be a little bit lower. I'm going to go 21-14. 21-14. Ooh, mm-hmm. real low. Okay. Real low. All right. And then to finish off our staff predictions, the game of the week, <laughs> Idaho versus Idaho State in All the right. KB Dome. Yes. Homecoming weekend, Battle of the Domes, uh, the one that the whole nation has been talking about, right? All of – I don't know. <laughs> I don't no don't don't, don't make me try and come up but with people <laughs> that are actually interested in this game. But hey, we're talking about it. We're we're interested. Um, Jonah, I think, man, it's it's hard. I think Idaho State's gonna win it. I hate to be that guy, but I've been picking the Vandals for how many weeks now, and then they always disappoint me. Except Eastern Washington, I got that right. Shockingly, <laughs> actually, no, it's not shockingly. I was very confident. What am I saying? Um, Coming off of the clo- the best, probably the best loss in program history for the past couple of years, I would say. <laughs> yeah, best loss. Well, that's best a good loss. term. That's a good term for it. You know, exactly. I think I just don't think this offense is the event offense is back and healthy and ready enough to keep up and putting up the points with uh, with the Bengals. Um, it's probably gonna happen like every other Vandal game. The defense is gonna play stand out until end of third, fourth quarter because they're getting tired because the Vandals can't stay on the field and control right. the clock. Like right. something they're really good at. If they can play to their style of game, just running the football, controlling the clock, staying on the field and keeping the Vandal defense 
you know, safe and sound on the sideline. That'd be great. But I just don't really see it happening. Um, I think it's going to be competitive, but I think by the end of it, the Bengals are going to pull away. Uh, I, I say 34-24 Idaho State. Yeah, as much as it pains me to do so, I'm going to have to agree with you. I mean, um, probably the most probably the most telling stat you can look at is coming from common opponents and Idaho State beat Portland State 51 to 24. Um so by that metric, defenses should be I mean by this very selective cherry picking metric yeah. that you know defenses are going to be very um similarly powered but like you were saying I just think that there's so much less reliability in in Idaho's offense. I just mm-hmm. don't think that you're going to be able to don't think we'll be able to rely on them and I think no. that you can probably definitely expect a lot of if if Idaho State isn't winning by the fourth quarter um th- I think that'll be an interesting that'll be an interesting yeah. way to kind of look at it if there's going to be if there's going to be like a um if if they need to get a comeback I think Idaho State's probably the pretty solid lock um so I'd probably go uh 35-24 Idaho State Nice. See, the thing with this game, too, I think it's a toss-up. Like, I can see us losing by t- – I don't think this would be a blowout. No. I don't think so. I think it could be, be either win by 10 or we lose by 10. Yeah, I mean, like, they're not going to get blown out on no. homecoming. Like, that's no. just not – there's still enough pride and faith left in this mm-hmm. team that that's not going to happen. Yeah, and, and it's the Kibbe Dome. They always play, like, an entirely different team in the Kibbe Dome. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Um, and so, finishing off our side predictions, we'll lead into the Mike Leach Awards. Here we go. All right, so my Mike Leach Award this year actually comes from um, – actually goes to um, a, guy na- a guy by the name of Tyler Tynes. He's a staff writer at TheRinger.com. Um, his <laughs> – he came up with a brilliant, just brilliant, brilliant take after I believe it was the Browns were dominated by the 49ers, um, a game in which Baker Mayfield threw two interceptions. Baker Mayfield, who leads the league in turnovers right now. Oh, um, he's feeling dangerous. Mm-hmm. He's feeling dangerous. Feeling dangerous to his own team at this <laughs> point. Um, but, but, yeah, Tyler Tynes came out and tweeted, unquote, one day as a community, we're going to discuss how Baker Mayfield just Colt McCoy with a personality, but we don't got to do that tonight. Mm. And um, that's just uh, – See, I feel bad for Colt McCoy because, like, that's a diss on him. <laughs> Colt McCoy is one of the nicest guys, I think, in the NFL. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just, like, it, it was just, like, that moment in time, I was like, man, this is why we're still on Twitter. Yeah. Like, for all of the for for all of the BS that happens elsewhere, I mean, like, it takes like that. I mean, whether serious or not, just, like, finding those little pieces of, like, those little pieces mm-hmm. of humor and hilarity is just, they're beautiful moments. Yeah. I mean, Colt McCoy going from possibly a Heisman winner to the best third-string quarterback in the NFL. Great third-string quarterback. Great third-string quarterback. Great third-string. Always going to rely on him. <laughs> uh, I think for my Mike Leach Award, uh, we're going to go baseball. I'm going to take it to the diamond. Mm. Uh, the Washington Nationals. Mm. The Washington Nationals, they won a post. Uh, they won a series. And now they swept the Cardinals and are going to the World Series. Two series. <laughs> Without Bryce Harper. I love it. Without Bryce Harper. Absolutely love it. Who would have thought it had to take them getting rid of their best player for them to be like, oh, we're actually good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you, by, Chris, are you by chance familiar with the Ewing theory? No, no. Yeah, the so theory? the Ewing theory is um, – I've, I've heard of the Ewing theory. Yeah, so, I mean, the only reason why I bring it up is because it's kind of – it's from this sort of scenario. But Patrick, I mean, happened both when he was at 
Georgetown and when he was with the Knicks in 1999. In both cases, when Pat Ewing went out, when he got injured, his team just, you know, instead of tanking, ended up performing beyond expectations. In 1999, he um, ended up uh, having a season-ending injury halfway through the conference um, through conference finals. Mm-hmm. Um, Knicks ended up winning out and going to, unfortunately, they were facing yeah. the very young version of Tim Duncan and David Robinson um, Spurs. But, you know. Patrick Green probably would have helped then. But. Might have helped there, but I mean, like they performed at a different level when he went out, basically. Yeah. And we're seeing this, and like you know, it's a fun theory to follow. Where and a, and again, a way to cherry pick stats and stuff like that. But I mean, this is a great example of it with the mm-hmm. with the Nats. I mean, like you may not necessarily be able to say that Bryce Harper, just because baseball is a different sort of sport, especially from basketball, where there's a very clear cut best yeah. player on the team and has the best and like most outsized impact. Um, but Bryce Harper, undeniably up there. You know, next to Scherzer, next to now Juan Soto as, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who definitely at least had the biggest jersey sales. Yep. I mean, and had had a pretty outsized impact on the team. So remove that from the clubhouse and you'd think things would take a turn for the worse. But mm-hmm. instead, they leave my lowly Mariners as the last team to not have a World Series appearance, which I was very yeah. not gently reminded of after the yeah. Nationals ended up winning. Yeah, I mean, this national team's... They're really dangerous right now. They're playing. They beat the Dodgers first mm-hmm. of all. Who thought right. Dodgers was going to be another clean path to yep. getting back to World Series? Exactly. Um, then Clay Kershaw wanted to Kershaw it. <laughs> uh, so you know they're not playing really well. And I mean that that rotation they got with Scherzer, uh, Steven Strasburg, um, bullpen, all of it. They they can really compete in this World Series. Know. Astros or the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, coming into the coming into the coming into the playoffs, the big question was just like they don't have. I mean, they got Sean Doolittle and Daniel Hudson and a whole bunch of guys who probably had four and a half, five ERAs in the in yeah. the rest of the bullpen. Well, that bullpen isn't a problem if your guys are pitching seven, seven and two thirds innings of no hit ball. Definitely. Like that's it's it's just not even an issue really, mm-hmm. and especially if you only need to win four games out of a series. And now they've got. You know, however long it's going to take the Astros and the Yankees to wrap up for yep. them to get to back to the top of the rotation. And, you know, are you really going to take even two out of four against – are you really even going to take two out of four against Scherzer, Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, apparently a now dominant Anibal Sanchez mm-hmm. too. Like, that's I mean, fun to watch. I'm just thinking – I mean, I'm a Yankees guy. I will say that. I'm a Yankees guy. So I'm hoping they beat <sighs> the freaking Astros. But uh, it's not looking good. Dropping game three, I'm like, really? Really? Barely scraping by game two. I'm like, Astros got kind of lucky there. But a bit of a collapse with the Yankees it's looking like, which what's new. Um, but I'm just thinking if it is Astros and the Nationals, imagine like Max Scherzer going against like Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander. Just like mm-hmm. the pitch- the pitchers on both sides. Right. It's just going to be it's a ridiculous duel. Yeah. I mean, like it's kind of – it's the kind it'd be, like it would be the kind of matchup that, you know um, – is not exactly uh, is not exactly like Commissioner Rob Manfred's dream because it's going to be very low scoring. Yeah, but I mean it's it's, it's not going to make some exciting baseball. No, but it'll make but. for like you know what, like whenever you try to explain baseball as theater, like mm-hmm. that is the old that would be like yeah. getting to see Scherzer or Strasburg against Garrett Cole would it, be. It'll make for some quicker games deal. though. It that is true. Make for some quicker games. That is so, true. And Rob Manfred has been wanting that for quite that some time. That is a good point. Um, so yeah, I mean. Let's just heck. We were talking about baseball. What what do you expect from the World Series? Who do you think is gonna win it all? Well, I think that the Astros have too much depth, so I think that they're gonna outpace the Yankees yeah. in the next yeah. couple of. Obviously, already got the two one lead and heading back to heading back to Houston now. Are they? No, no I think no, there's no, one, more. One, one more. One more in New York. Yeah. One more. Yeah, one more in New York. 
Um, so I just think that they've got they've got too much depth. Um, they've got too much depth, and like the Yankees are on the opposite end of the starting pitching spectrum, where it's Severino. Obviously, Tanaka had a great performance yeah. to start off the series, but I just don't think you know there's not enough beyond that to really help them out. And no. so if we're looking at Astros, if we're looking at a strung out Astros rotation, even with superhuman Garrett Cole against what the Nationals have been able to put together this year, like. I don't know, man. I mean, the stars are kind of aligning here. I don't want to yeah. I don't want to jinx it, but like there's just a lot of really good there's a lot of really good pieces and I mean like the Nationals have all of those qualities of a team that's getting hot at the right time mm-hmm. from a lot of different places. Victor Robles coming back from injury, Howie Kendrick being 37 years old and still like one of the biggest power threats on yeah. the roster, not accounting for Juan Soto, one of the most exciting young players in the game, and MVP candidate Anthony Rendon. Yeah. Like that's enough to match up with an an Astros roster that goes, you know, 270 or better top to bottom from the uh, top to bottom of the lineup. And so, you know, I think that the Nationals rotation puts them over puts them over the top. I think they win it in 6. Yeah, the Nationals are such a weird team because it wasn't something like I, I so even if they won the World Series, I wouldn't say that's like they're the best team in baseball. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like it's that's just fair. like I think it's one of those teams that got hot at the right time. Yeah, and that um, happens all the time. You know what? I'm gonna be a homer. I'm gonna say the Yankees will make it because I just I want to. I want to <laughs> say it. Um, it's part of being a fan. It's part of being a fan. You know. I mean, honestly, the Astros will probably make it because it's the Astros and they have so much talent on both sides. Um, but the Yankees, they they could. I mean, their hitting power, Didi Gregorius, Aaron Judge, you can go down that whole list. It's crazy. It's just it just comes down to the pitching. They don't they want to pay all these hitters, but they never want to pay the the pitchers. It's tough. So. It's a tough thing, but I mean, oh, if it's, I'll say Yankees, Nationals, and I, I, I do too. Though I think the Nationals are going to win. I think Nationals are scary right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll get six, seven games, but yeah, I think the Nationals might win the World Series. If it's the Astros, Crazy. I think the Astros pulled off because they've been there before. Yeah. So it has been that long. Um, that team is has a really solid core as well. Absolutely. So, um. Either way, I think it's going to be an interesting ending to postseason baseball. Right. And nothing better, really. Absolutely. So, Jonah, I think we're finally at the end of this episode. <laughs> I think we're finally made it to the end. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on to Vanal Scoreboard. My Once pleasure. again, the Gardner Minshew of, uh, of podcasts, of Vanal Scoreboard. My new Twitter bio. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I'm Chris Sturmer. Uh, you can catch me on Vandal Nation uh, inside the Vandals. Uh, all my stories are on thevandalnation.com. Uh, catch me on Twitter at Chris underscore Dermer. That is lowercase Chris underscore and then capital D-E-R-E-M-E-R. Jonah, I know you're a fan now, but <laughs> if there's any plugs, go away. Go um, away. Yeah, I mean, same thing. Jonah P. At Jonah P. Baker on Twitter for – Fortunately, not a whole lot of hot takes. I definitely am still working on um, follow, following the gr- following the greats both here and elsewhere to find out what exactly where exactly mine should go. Yeah. But, but gotcha. Yeah. yeah, a lot of uh, interesting content on Vale Nation this week coming up for the homecoming uh, issue. Um, so as always, uh, thank you for tuning in and go Vandals. <laughs>